Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Vedic Assemble! Vedic Collinson. Vedic Jackala. And Vedic Smart is on a mission in the Gamma Quadrant, so he will not be joining us today. I'm so sorry. He'll be back as soon as he possibly can, but you know how it is. You go to the Gamma Quadrant, you forget time exists, and you just hang out for a while, so... We miss you, Vedic Smart. <laughs> you die and come back to life on <laughs> yeah. a yeah, you on a water-on planet. Yeah, we're not going to go any further into that because there are so many things that we could bring up that could possibly have happened to him in the Gamma Quadrant, <laughs> and some of them are not great. So let's mm. just mm. pretend that he's fine, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in all honesty, guys, uh, Liam is under the weather. He's got a nasty cold, and he says he sounds like a 75-year-old chain smoker. So, mm. plus he's not getting enough rest, and he really needs to rest. Because he really does. Is, is what helps you get better faster. So yes. he's. And uh, I think he has another job interview coming up soon. So Yeah, he has to do that, I think, tomorrow, if I remember correctly. It was I think Monday, so. Said. Yeah, so. So, which is tomorrow for you and still day after tomorrow for me because time zones. <laughs> Ooh, time zones. <laughs> which has been really fun anytime we've been uh, organizing any new podcast stuff because now we've got Liam and I in, you know, here, several people in, in the. I think we've got representatives from at least both coasts and a little bit of the, the center bit of North America. Mm-hmm. And now a few people in the UK as well, so it's it's always fun waking up and checking the uh, the podcast messages. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is like one of our our network heads is in the UK, but he doesn't sleep a lot, so sometimes he's awake <laughs> when he shouldn't be. Mm. But uh, that's he's worked really, really hard to put together our podcast hosting website, which is Hollow Sweet Media. So thank you, oh, yeah. Steve Roberts. Thank you, you are Steve. Our hero. So, do we have any anyway. news to talk about? Anything you want to talk about, uh, news-wise? Um, nothing that I can really think of. I don't have any uh, personal news or anything like that. Everything's just kind of chugging along. The only Deep Space Nine-related thing I know is I recently watched um, Alone Together, which mm. is the the sort of live read fan fiction project that um alexander fadig and um andrew robinson did which is just amazing and i think we should do a, a full episode analyzing that at some point i absolutely agree i would love that it's on the list of ideas because that mm. just that's the beauty of the world of deep space nine is that you can go off on all of these tangents with these actors doing these wonderful things yeah so and they still they just they still inhabit the characters so well 25 years later mm-hmm. it's still there they've still got the rapport between the two of them 
I I don't think that they could even forcibly lose that rapport. It was just so natural, I guess, is the word for it. Sometimes mm. you just have that chemistry with someone. And yeah. obviously the writers just saw that and went with it because I don't necessarily know that that was the relationship that those two were going to have. But mm. when they were together, it was magic. And there we are. Can you imagine if those two actors were to do um, a DS9 rewatch podcast in the style <gasps> of um, the Delta Flyers? Oh. Oh. That would be a dream. Absolutely. I'm just putting that thought out there into the universe. Andrew, Alexander, please hear us. Hear our please. Please do a rewatch podcast of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> that would be so amazing. I've been thinking about that for a while. Oh, they're just, <sighs> and they're just such lovely people anyway, so. Mm. <sighs> anyway. Those two lovely people, uh, as wonderful as they are, are not what we are talking about today because we're here to do our first deep character analysis on this show. And we set it to, uh, mm. we got Siri to randomly choose for us uh, last last time we recorded and we ended up with uh, Miles O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. So guess what? Buckle up. <laughs> it's Miles all the way. <laughs> I don't know what was going to come out of my mouth there, but that's We've what we have. Miles and miles <laughs> to go because there are technically two of them. So many miles, so, uh, miles to go before we sleep. Um, yep. All oh, right. Uh, well, three if you count the replicant. <laughs> More miles than you could possibly imagine. Oh, four, four if you count the mirror. Oh yeah, can't forget Smiley. Yeah. Can't and then there's the Falcon. Hands. Oh my god, five. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But really, in that regard, it wasn't really O'Brien. It was just his That's appearance. true, yeah. So, there is that. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so many miles. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. well, do do we want to start at the very beginning? Sure. Think? Like when he was, we, I know that we don't have an actual day of the month, but I do know he was born in September of 2328. Yep. Uh, on earth in Ireland. Yes. So, oh, big surprise. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he was Irish. Oh, wait. Yeah. Miles O'Brien, <laughs> not Irish. No, is he Irish? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, got my hand knitted Irish Aaron jumper on. That's fantastic too. I yeah. love it. It's well, it's still summer here, so you know it's like a hundred mm -hmm. degrees outside, which is like it's like it's seven. still cold here. Mm, yeah, I would I would switch with you if I could because I have been damp all day mm. long because I can't run the air conditioning when I'm doing a recording oh, no. or or a live show because it, we don't have central air. Yeah. And I'll, what I have in, is a you know one of those noisy in window air conditioners. So anyway, and and he also has two brothers that are never named. We just know that he has two yeah. brothers. I feel like one. He mentions that. I don't know when or or if I I was reading, <laughs> I was reading through his um uh, memory alpha entry last night, 
in the way that I used to prepare for um, exams at school the night before. Um, yes. <laughs> it mentioned yep. that he, one of his brothers was named Aloysius. No, that was an ancestor. Oh, an ancestor. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. An ancestor named Aloysius O'Brien. That makes sense. So, but not, not neither of his brothers were ever named. Neither was his mother, who passed away and his father remarried. And Miles never met his stepmother because he'd been in Starfleet for a long time mm. by the time that happened. Right. So, uh, And she's not named either. We know his father's name is Michael. I know that much. Yep. Here's a funny thing that I can think of that I had forgotten about Chief O'Brien. His father was trying to push him into <gasps> a music career as a cellist. That's right. What the what? Can you in any way picture Miles O'Brien playing cello? No. <laughs> uh, I just... Yeah. I. I feel like they must have put that in to be a a flip on the normal thing of, you know, some conservative Irish dad saying, you know, you're wasting your life with that music. Yep. Get a proper man's career. Work down the shipyard. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and so they do the exact opposite of that. And I just feel like it's weird it's just weird and it doesn't feel right to me mm. and he rebelled by running off at 17 and joining starfleet because ooh, yeah because that's so rebellious well it is if you're miles <laughs> o'brien or spock so there you go well spock didn't run off and enlist he went off to starfleet academy mm. first and yeah. then became a commissioned officer. Yeah, let's, 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 let's take this moment about, to talk yeah. about that. Yes. Um, the whole commissioned versus non-commissioned thing. And why is that still a thing in the future? Yeah. Because, I mean, I have very little knowledge of how it works in the real world, in the military. But to the best of my knowledge, it's it's... If you're going to be an officer, you go to an academy and you learn there for presumably three years thereabouts. And it's essentially a replacement for like studying a university degree and you become an officer and then, you know, you get to do command things or you just enlist at a local enlistment office, go to basic training for a few months and then you can be shipped out. I don't know how it works, but I do know that there, at least historically, seems to be a, a, a level of classism around it. You know, very much like mm. the officers are the very kind of upper class kind of, almost like nobility in the in the armed forces. I mean, definitely historically, hopefully not so much today anymore. And then the enlisted are very much like your working class folks. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way that I think of it as well. But the funny thing is, is that the the officers, the trained officers, yeah, they have all of that training, but it's the NCOs that are getting shit done. They're the grunts who have been out there. They have seen stuff. They mm. have done stuff. And they're the ones that get stuff done and don't really get the same recompense that maybe they should for what they do just an opinion I definitely get that feeling from it yeah yeah 
So, which is funny because in episodes of Enter of Star Trek: The Next Generation, I almost said Enterprise. Nah. <laughs> in episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, uh, we see a lieutenant's pip on his collar, on O'Brien's collar, and he is referred to as lieutenant at least once, and yet hmm. later he's just a chief petty officer. Mm. Mm. Somebody wasn't very good at continuity. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I'm sure I could find out the reason, but I I don't I it doesn't matter. It's just one of those things that no matter how you headcanon it, it just doesn't work. Oh, there there is absolutely a something somewhere in some like beta canon book or a bit of, of media where someone has tried to like <laughs> head canon out exactly why you know he appeared as a lieutenant in his early years and then was a non-commissioned officer hmm. especially when he started as an enlisted man so hmm. how did he suddenly become i mean did he suddenly get sent to starfleet academy and then went Some... back to duty. <laughs> mm, I'm just going to say something, something, uh, temporary field promotion. <laughs> sure. Uh, only lieutenants are allowed to be transporter chiefs. Transporter chief. <laughs> there we go. That's it. Hmm. That's only, so he had, he was an acting lieutenant, even though he was a non-commissioned officer. <laughs> There we go. That fixes it as well as it can yep, be. Yeah, sure. That works. I put a half a Band-Aid on it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Wrapped in duct tape around it. Yeah. It works. I just, I guess I just don't understand why one thing, sh why that, why the whole non-commission thing should still exist or why it should still be a separate class sort of thing. Yes. It's, it's the future. Come on. I know you were all going for this military sort of thing and this sort of naval ranking thing, etc. But it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, I. It's definitely one of those things that doesn't hold up when you try and think about it in the context of the of the universe that they've tried to create. Yeah. It's like what would, especially considering that that in a lot of other situations, like especially you know in in lower decks, we're shown that ensigns, which which is a commissioned officer rank, but you know just the lowest of those are seen as like the the lowest rank on the ships like oh so are there no no uh ncos no enlisted people on this ship mm -mm. i don't know yeah I, I i it's not necessarily a thing that i am super interested in um nitpicking to that extent because yeah. there are, <laughs> there are definitely other things in star trek that are that i'm much more interested in nitpicking than the the existence or non-existence of enlisted non-commissioned officers <laughs> well you know the i think the closest thing that comes to it is is a cadet because yeah they're still kind of learning on the job so to speak but they're not commissioned officers yet so they're on the border yeah where we have where we've seen you know yeah oh, i was just saying you know which we have seen you know utility and discovery and even nog like as cadets yeah you know <clears throat> working on stations or starships not just at the academy yes and uh and actually i've recently been playing the star trek time not timelines that's the mobile game i've been playing star trek online and doing the discovery uh, oh nice timeline. 
And so Tilly is there a lot, which just makes me super happy. That's really why I played it. I just, I just want to hear Tilly. I just want Tilly with me. And mm-hmm. on, on the ship that I'm on, oh, the captain died. I'm a lieutenant, but I'm now the captain. Uh, I got promoted to lieutenant. Totally skipped ensign. Went from cadet to lieutenant, a la Kirk going in the in the Kelvin universe, going from cadet yep, to captain. straight to captain. Lee. And then until he's my chief engineer. So that's awesome. Nice. I'm, just, I'm playing it trying to get my get far enough so where I can claim the free lower decks characters that are available. But you have to what? have you have to be able to actually recruit people and have sp- spots available. But yeah, they're offering all four of the mains for free what? right now on Star Trek Online. So I need to stop playing Star Trek Online again. It's it's just it's. I've, I'm doing a so much better this time. I'm getting better at thinking in three dimensions. Oh, cool. A lot better at thinking in three dimensions than I did the first time. Mm. So I guess I can be taught. <laughs> but but uh, one thing, here's a weird thing about rank, though. In the original series, there were yeomen. Yeah, I heard. That, that never made it out of the original series. And there were no yeomen in Enterprise. No. So... It's just kind of one of those weird things. I don't even know what a yeoman is. Like that one, I feel like is a. It's very navy. That's and very, very like navy. tall ships, British Empire navy in my mind. Like I don't even think we have yeomen in the you know, maybe the British navy nowadays. Yep. But what even yeah. is it's... a yeoman? Oh, a yeoman was a petty officer in the U.S. Navy or Coast Guard performing clerical duties on board ship. So that's what that is. So, um, but in the in the British Royal Navy, it was a uh, petty officer who was doing the signaling, the the lantern signaling and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. So basically, it's their NCOs. Ah, back to NCOs it's again. Like the lowest rank of NCO. Hmm. Yeah. So they just changed it to petty officer. So that's what happened to yeoman. Okay. So Janice Rand was a yeoman. She was she was an enlisted, non commissioned officer. There we go. We're learning. <laughs> We're learning stuff. Yay! Thanks, Cinder. All right. So uh, we've got like a bit of his history set up, um, but of course we're focusing on. Miles as he is as he appears in Deep Space Nine so uh, I guess it'd be a good for you to lead us into it Brandy having kind of watched it as it aired and sort of coming directly from watching TNG what was the feeling sort of at the time of O'Brien being the character kind of making the switch from TNG to DS9 for this new show at the time I thought it was kind of weird I thought it was like they were sending out this new trek on training wheels. And I just thought, you don't need to take someone from TNG to make your DS9 thing work. Mm. And now I realize that that wasn't the intent, and I see it differently, where it was a chance to for this character to expand and be something more and be regular and it made sense with his life changing with him getting married and having a baby and him wanting to be in one place rather than on a starship going all over the place and 
not knowing exactly where he'd be in the in the galaxy at any one time. So it was kind of like settling mm. down in a way. And I think that that's the way he hoped Keiko would see it. Not so much. Not so much. But we won't talk about how I feel about Keiko. Anyway, <laughs> so it was, I think it was, I warmed up to him almost immediately. And I think that he really came into his own as a character because he wasn't just standing around in a transporter room waiting for someone to need to be beamed somewhere. Mm. And he had stuff to do all the time, which he complained about, but secretly loves. He loves being busy. He loves being useful. And he loves being the top dog when it comes to engineering. Yeah. I he like I didn't have the, the, the switch from like one series to another like they were both already kind of around when i was starting to watch star trek but i mean having kind of actually watched through the shows in order more recently it's really cool to yeah like you say see his his character development and see him become like a fully fleshed out character yeah and i do i love the aspect of him as the as the engineer always complaining about his job but secretly loves it like I've worked with people like that and God, it's just like, <laughs> sorry. Cause it's just making me think. So with um, all of us in lockdown and everything like that, my, my parents are obviously stuck at home. My dad can't even go and play golf. So what's he doing is he's, he's painting the house. And originally the idea was that I would go over and help him. Of course, obviously we can't, we're not even allowed outside a five kilometer radius of our homes. Um, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's that, got that same kind of thing of just like can't sit still can't not be working on something <laughs> so like oh, i'm just gonna do this gonna set up the ladder on the stairs <laughs> yeah it's uh it it must be difficult for the general majority of people because a lot of people are extroverts and when they can't go out and do things and interact with people they start to feel caged and they start to get depressed and i'm the exact opposite. i'm just like please 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 we should have been in lockdown a lot longer than we were and when we were in lockdown it was like a dream come true for me i'm like oh my god i have time to get caught up on some things yep. and yeah it's just that's never really happened for me because the job that I have was con is considered an, an essential service. And so there was no time off for us. There was no, and that's, yeah. that's, that's and you, fine. You couldn't do it from home at all, could you? Uh, not very much. I could do some things from home, but not the bulk of my job. And the bulk of my job was that was suffering was the accounting stuff, mm. paying the bills, getting the money put in, you know, all of those things and uh, entering all of the bills that needed to be paid and him paying them and stuff like that. So that was that was the stuff that was really going undone. Uh, we tried the work at home thing for a little while and it just it just doesn't unfortunately doesn't work for mm. my job because so much of what I do requires a physical presence in an office where I can actually have all the paperwork and input the paperwork into QuickBooks and whatnot. And 
people are saying, well, you could do stuff like that from home. Yeah, my house is like 30 miles away from my work and not everybody wants to just drive to me and drop off a bunch of paperwork. It just wasn't feasible. So, yeah. So uh, there's been, it's been business as usual for me. Mm. So, but I just, I dream about all the video games that I could play if I couldn't go anywhere. Mm. Anyway, (laughs) got got distracted. But yeah, there are people that just need to be busy. Yeah, and and I get that. I'm I'm not one of those people. Mm -hmm. I'm never bored. I'm never bored. There's always something going on in my brain, even if I'm in a situation where that is boring. You don't know what's going on in my brain. (laughs) I'm in a completely different world and making you believe I'm absolutely paying attention to everything. That's a skill. (laughs) I like that. It it is it is very handy. It is very handy. So it comes from a lot of being alone as a child. I have a very vibrant imagination. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh back to Brian. Uh, I guess we've kind of transitioned into kind of talking about uh, kind of work that he does anyway. Um, I have quite enjoyed, you know, watching the show more recently. The way he he is very much portrayed as much more of like that working class kind of character. I, I don't know if he ever actually says this line, but he's exactly the sort of person who I can imagine uh, saying the phrase, don't call me, sir. I work for a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely think that he would say something like that. Not sure, like you, if he ever actually did. But uh, he's very much that yeah. sort of personality. It's yeah, definitely that personality. And despite what he's been through, I'm not going to go there yet because he's actually very good at what he does he had this he was basically given a station that had been gutted Mm. by the cardassians every piece of even halfway valuable technology or parts or whatever had been stripped out and i think that probably secretly he was going, oh, yeah, mm. I get to build this how I want. Yeah, he's like, I've got a puzzle now. <laughs> yeah, he's and he's going to be he's going to be that lifesaver. He's going to be that hero for getting all that stuff done. And it seems like I mean, when you see that first episode, it seems like an insurmountable task. There's just almost nothing mm. that's working properly. And the fact that they could even move the station was because of him. Yeah. Because when they decided, oh, okay, we're going to go move over by the wormhole and try and cut off the Cardassians. And, uh, you know, that wouldn't have worked, but for Miles. So luckily they didn't all break apart and float out into space. No. So way to go, Miles, for saving lots of lives. Yeah. And having <laughs> just brilliant arguments with the computer at the time. <laughs> it says, that process is not yes. recommended. Oh, I didn't ask you for a recommendation. <laughs> can we do it yeah it's like i'm sorry that's not recommended but we're doing this yeah he's one of those people that once he's made a decision and this is the right thing to do do not get in his way Mm. he will bulldoze right over you oh yeah 
and that's that's when you know you're right and the the thing about miles is that he really is at heart a good person he's not a jerk for the most part he has his moments where Mm -hmm. he says certain things that you're just like but that it gets explained too so but um yeah because he he has been known to use racial slurs uh against the cardassians when talking about cardassians and has appeared to really hate mm-hmm. them. And it does come out in one episode that uh, it's not that he hates the Cardassians. He hates the person he became because of them during the Cardassian War. Yeah. And that's that he knows that about himself. I'm like, oh, honey, come here. Let me give you a hug. <laughs> yeah. To, to be able to recognize that in yourself is actually like, that's that's very, you know, yeah, that's really he's, good. He's a much deeper person than I think some people may have get, given him credit for, and I love that we get to see that aspect of him on Deep Space Nine that we never would have seen if he'd stayed with TNG, because there just wasn't there wasn't room for him. There. Yes, and on DS Nine he got to be his own person and have his own problems and his own stories and and his own uh, clone and his own or, or replicant really. <laughs> And uh, his own mirror counterpart and his own future self. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we got to know so much more about him and the kind of person that he is. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, it was a good choice to move him from TNG to Deep Space Nine because there were things that he could never have done on TNG. Definitely. Yeah, and it uh, helped his helped his personality. Yeah, well, and not only that, but Colmini is just a really good actor. Oh yeah, and they, he was so wasted on TNG, really, really just wasted uh, in that role. And so to see him finally be able to really sink his teeth into a role yeah. and, and bring that character so much more depth and clarity it's just yeah that was quite fun i was a little while ago i can't remember um which episode it was but i was watching an episode and my partner's mum uh who is irish she's from belfast came in and saw it and saw um o'brien on screen you know sees called me and he says ah your man's done well for himself after that it's just he's obviously a very you know well-known actor and probably one of um one of the favorite sons of uh Island. And Rango. Yeah. 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 He I adore Colmaney. And I had seen him before Star Trek, but it wasn't one of those things where basically a lot of the stuff he'd been in I wasn't old enough to watch. Mm. So uh there were times that I did I did see things that you know, see movies that I shouldn't have seen. But uh yeah, I just I really appreciate him as an actor. Mm. Seems like he's a very like nice guy as well i don't know i recently saw um just a a post on a facebook group from someone who i think randomly bumped into him at dublin airport um and just got like a really nice photo with him that's lovely Yeah. yeah well he seems like a decent fellow and generally granted it's easier for me when i'm actually meeting people in person but i can usually tell from someone's actions mm basically it in their acting choices but also in 
interviews and stuff like that, I can tell when someone's a dick and I can tell when someone's, you know, genuinely a good person. And most of us are a little bit of both, but, uh, but he just, you know, I just, I don't know. I just want to hug him. He just is so huggable to me. So that's just how I feel about, about Cole Meany and, and about Miles O'Brien. I just want to console him so he much. Is, he does have a little bit of that sad sack thing yes. to him. Because <laughs> yes. we were, so another thing of, of um, uh, in this case, uh, Moya, my partner for any new listeners, uh, uh, saw me watching uh, a DS9 episode the other day uh, again with Miles in it and she sees him and her instant reaction is of who is this generic puddle of a human being <laughs> I just thought, oh. but he kind of has that something about his look and I don't know if this is intentional is, is maybe it's meant to just be quite kind of I don't even want to say nondescript but he's not specifically like noticeable and maybe that's the point. Maybe he's meant to look like someone who could easily have just been like a background character, but no, he's he's a main character. He's an everyman. That's yeah, he is the everyman. Yeah. And possibly he was even originally put in there to be like the guy for the like older uncle sort of people to um empathize with. He's like, "Oh, here's this this old guy. He's got a a hard job, but he, you know, secretly enjoys it." He's, you know, uh, married with a kid, which a lot of Star Trek characters aren't. Yeah. Well, it's it's another one of those things of, you know, let's portray some positive father role models. Yeah. And Deep Space Nine does that both with O'Brien and with Cisco. Yeah. And, and even, even with Rom. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah, it's just, it's very, it's a very positive thing. And I think we don't see that enough. We, because we definitely don't in um even now. No. We don't we don't see that enough. It's like the single dad is just mm. or even it doesn't even have to be a single dad, but just dads aren't always portrayed as just, you know, being I, good dads. Yeah. You so often see them there kind of absent or inattentive or, you know, even sometimes violent mm. all of which happen and i'm not saying we shouldn't portray that but no, it's always should... it's always really nice to see positive aspects of fatherhood and positive male role models because mm. we need that i have three friends who are about to become fathers this year wow so quarantine <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, yeah. and and I yeah, and I will say in in one of these cases it is actually um one of them not just a friend is my brother in law or well nearly going to marry my sister soon um so I'm going to be an uncle which is nice. also pretty awesome. So yeah, been been sitting on that for a while. It's one of those things where like immediate family like we knew for ages, but you're just like don't tell anyone yet. Well, you know, there <laughs> things can happen in early trimester of the pregnancy. So, yeah, yeah, because uh, there there are a lot of times that women don't even know they're pregnant or have had a miscarriage. So, mm. yeah, it's it's not exactly always easy to get pregnant. In fact, the chances against getting pregnant at any given time are kind of 
just it's the chances against it are really high but that that right combination of timing always happens eventually but there's still oh, yeah. no guarantee that everything's gonna go as planned so reproducing for humans is, mm. is tougher yeah. than it seems <laughs> yeah, it is but yeah. uh, and I I think I think we just as a society need to shift our attitude towards fathers in general because I see a lot of times where you know a father is taking care of the kids and people are like oh stuck with the kids mm-hmm. today oh so you're babysitting yeah. it's like it's not babysitting when it's your own child that these are my children I am taking care of my children yeah. and so that attitude is part of our a part of our society and part of our behavior and we need to get rid of that Mm. just if the if the father is taking care of the kids then he's doing his normal parental duties yes so don't give (sighs) him that crap about oh you got stuck with the kids today and you're babysitting no babysitters are people who are taking care of your kids when you can't fathers are not babysitters they are fathers yes Okay, I'm, I'm done. We, we have strong opinions about this. Mm-hmm. Very strong opinions. Oh. Very strong. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm off my soapbox nope, now. No, that's good. I, that's, I, <laughs> I share that soapbox with you. <laughs> it is good. Uh, it is good. But, yeah, having said that, um, it is, um, we do have some good examples of that in um, DS9. And I think for the most part, O'Brien is that. I mean... Mm-hmm. I think there are bits here and there where I think he and the character of Keiko and their relationship in general probably suffered from being written by people who had a less than favorable view of marriage. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, because honestly, I think when they're written well, it seems like Miles and Keiko have a good, or at least on the good side of normal relationship they still have problems like anyone does but like they they work through problems and it was never kind of a a question of like them their relationship completely breaking down or them separating or anything like that yeah and and even if that were to happen and even if in the cases where miles and keiko are having problems miles is always still there for molly uh and then later on for um kiryoshi you know he just he seems like a good dad yeah well it never gets to the point where you think oh he's going to leave keiko Mm. (laughs) so if anything she's the one who leaves him when she goes off to do her botany thing for a while yeah and and see that's that's the thing it's like when you join two lives together you need to be very upfront about your own hopes and dreams for yourself as well as for your relationship. Because if you're not talking about those things, then it seems like very out of the blue that Keiko's just like, well, I'm not feeling fulfilled. I want to go and do this. Mm. So isn't that something that you guys should have talked about a long time ago and maybe had set goals to work towards that or whatnot? So it just it just seems to me like they weren't written with very good communication skills in yeah. their relationship, which I find problematic. And it, 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 it did not put Keiko in a good light. 
Mm. Now, I love Rosalind Chow to death, and I have no problem with her as an actor. I've seen her in other things and been absolutely delighted by her. But I don't think Keiko is well-written. Yeah, I'd, I'd be tempted to agree, and I think that's where it comes down. And I think that's probably why she gets a lot of hate from certain sections of the fan community. I, I actually don't think it's down to her being a bad character per se. There was just like a lot of instances where she was badly written, mm-hmm. probably by male writers who didn't respect women as much mm-hmm. as they should have. Especially Asian women. Hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm a white, cis, hetero man. And I'm going to write this Japanese woman. Yes. Mm. I'll be perfect at that. So I don't know that that was necessarily always the case, but I feel like her character was not served well. And for that reason, I don't enjoy Keiko. And I know it's not the actor's fault. It's all definitely writing for me. But it took me a long time to realize that when I first met Keiko on TNG. I was just like... Okay, so why are you guys getting married? Because it doesn't seem like you actually like each other very much. Mm. But, yeah. Like, I mean, just the thing where they were trying their each other's cultural, traditional foods. And oh. I just it just seemed like they did not enjoy each other's company. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, it was just um, uncomfortable. That, that's a trope that needs to go away, the mm-hmm. idea of the married couple who don't enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. That really does need to go away. Really, mm. really, really. And, uh, and see, the difference between that, that relationship and how that was written, and say how you see Troy and Riker in Picard, mm-hmm. now that's the kind of relationship I would have liked to yes. see Keiko and Miles have. Yes. That's not what we got unfortunately which and they made miles you know seem like he was henpecked and i didn't like that and he spent a lot of time with uh julian because he just sometimes didn't want to go home to his wife and again don't like that either it's just so antiquated yeah no again that is such a trope and such a stereotype of the kind of character that they were trying to make him i think you know this i I would say you know not necessarily specifically like irish working class guy but there's definitely a, a stereotype of anyone from that kind of walk of life of you know preferring to hang out at the pub with your mates than go home to your wife which is really really problematic and something that i really wish would go away yeah, it should go away, and it shouldn't have been a part of a Trek series at all. Yeah. In in my opinion. So, that's just, that's how I feel about the whole Keiko and Miles' relationship. And it, it left me wanting more. It left me wanting real character development for Keiko. Yes. Because she really did yeah. not get that. Yeah, I, f- I feel like they were trying to create characters who they saw as, like, more kind of grounded and realistic, but what they really did was horribly date the show and created something that was antiquated. Mm-hmm. They, they just... All they did was create stereotypes. Yeah. And that 
that's that's not entertaining. That's not it. May, it doesn't make you want to root for anyone. Mm. It just frustrates a viewer. Yeah. Such as I. Anyway. Right. So I think I I don't think I need to harp <laughs> on about their relationship anymore. No, I think <laughs> so. we can maybe start talking about. Um, let's see. So we we've gone through his like history, transferring to DS Nine. You know how he kind of interacts with his work. We've mentioned a bit about his feelings towards Cardassians, but do we want to go any further into that? Yeah, that's that's a tricky area because he has a lot of up close and personal experience with fighting Cardassians, yeah. and that will leave a mark on a person. And I, 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 it all goes back to a battle where he was. Uh, trying to get some people out and they were ambushed mm. and uh, he managed to, to stun one of the Cardassians and somebody handed him a phaser, didn't realize it was set to kill and he ended up killing an, a Cardassian mm. and he had never killed anything in his life. Yes. Not even a fly. Yes. In that moment he became, in his mind, a killer mm. and that has an effect on a person. So, you know, being in that war, in his mind, made him a killer. So he's angry at the Cardassians for turning him into that, so to speak. Mm. But at the same time, that's unfortunately a part of war. It's kill or be killed. Is it right? No, war is never right, but it's never entirely wrong either. It's just, it's a mess. There are no winners in war. You don't win a war. You just agree to stop yeah. fighting. Or you completely eradicate the other side, in which case it's still not really winning because you've just committed, you know, mass murder. Mm. So, yeah, there's no winners. Yeah, on on that, like on the way he sort of feels towards um, the Cardassians and is quite sort of aware of his own prejudices, I think. So one episode that I watched quite recently was was the episode Cardassians, where we're introduced to the yes. uh, character Rugal, I think, who is the Cardassian war orphan who was left on Bajor when the Cardassians pulled out. Um, so was raised by a Bajoran family and is basically raised to be almost culturally Bajoran, even though he is a Cardassian. Because of that, hates the Cardassians, hates them for what they did to Bajor and hates them for leaving him alone there with pe with people who sort of hate him for who he is uh and when he is on the station he is being looked after by miles and keiko i guess just because they're the only other parents on the station they just decide that they can take him in whatever but yeah because miles isn't busy yeah but he does have that great conversation with rugal when they're talking about you know hating the cardassians and he was just like well no you can't hate an entire group of people uh even if you know many of them have been terrible to you and he's like there are even some Cardassians who i would consider friends or who i have had good relations with and it's really interesting that miles is the one to have this conversation with regard you know the other character who has that really strong prejudice against Cardassians, but is but is able to sort of divorce himself enough from it to kind of see it from the outside and recognize it, recognize its negative effects in someone else. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. He's, he's self-aware. He's yes. extremely self-aware where, when it comes to Cardassians and that's uh, refreshing. Actually, that's very refreshing 
for his character hmm. because they could have so easily just made him, you know, a straight up racist person towards Cardassians. Yeah. But they they didn't do that. They made it complicated because that's humans are complicated. Life is complicated. Hmm. You know, bias is complicated. So it's it's not an easy thing to disentangle yourself from. But he the fact that he's aware of it and can explain it to another person who is dealing with the same thing and help them. Just, oh, Miles, let me give you a cuddle. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> just put your head on my shoulder. Let me, let me just <laughs> put my arm around you. <laughs> oh, dear. He just needs a hug. He does. He needs more hugs, I think. Hugs are very healing. Oh, yeah. All right. There is also, uh, we could talk about his um, his friendship with uh, Julian. Oh, yes. The bromance. I think would be, yeah. I, I like that it does. Yeah, Julian's got it going on. He's got Miles. He's got Garrick. I mean, all the boys <laughs> want to be around Julian. All the boys. <laughs> oh, dear. I quite like that, that sort of early on in the series, as Julian is trying to be friends with... Uh, Miles and Miles just thinks he is the most annoying creature on the station, <laughs> and he kind of is at that point, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm not yeah, denying that. <laughs> but uh, and then they it's adorable because <laughs> Julian is kind of guileless when it comes to his relationship with Miles, which you know he's mm. just kind of adorable. <laughs> And I think that's what eventually... He is such an yeah, innocent. This is eventually what wins him over. So if for nothing else, when Miles just going, oh, this guy's an idiot. I've got to protect him. <laughs> he's clueless. Uh, yeah. Which, got to help him out. Yeah, which, which Julian is clueless in certain aspects of life, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to dealing with people outside of being a doctor. So yeah. he uh, he definitely needs some help in those areas. <laughs> oh, Julian, the early Julian. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, I do I do love their friendship. It's kind of competitive, but at the same time, they still is. are just they're always guys. Yeah. Hanging. Yeah. And and it's not you know it's. At least in most cases, some of them it is, but you know, often it's not too sort of cringy of a boys being boys, blokey kind of mm -hmm. friendship. Dude bros. You know, there's yeah. dude bros. There's still aspects of that. A little bit. Um, a little bit. But there, there is also a lot of genuine good friendship and affection there. Because mm -hmm. they, they, you know, they hang out at the pub, they play darts. They play through their simulations of the Battle of Britain on the holodeck together, which I feel is absolutely a thing that I would do with some of my mates if we had access to a holodeck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there are some things I would do, but it would absolutely not be a battle. Um, <laughs> not what I want to do. The one that bothered me was actually the Battle of the Alamo, because I'm just like, mm. oh, God, guys, crack a history book, please. Do not go be the white people in that. Do not. Yeah. Also, can the can the writers maybe crack a history book about Ireland and England? Because mm -hmm. 
I, I don't think that the bit where Miles and Julian are both singing Jerusalem makes a lot of sense. I know if I was singing that in earshot of my partner's very patriotically Irish mother, I'd probably get a slap around the top of the head. Mm-hmm. And rightly so. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's a very British Empire type song. Yes. Basically, they went around just sticking flags in the ground yep. saying, I claim India for Britain. Yeah. You know, and they're like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> You're what now? There's, there's 500 million of us. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to go into an Eddie Izzard bit. I'll just stop there. <laughs> he does a great thing about that, about British imperialism. Eddie Izzard is wonderful. <laughs> he is. This whole thing is like, he, they're like, oh, this, is, this is our country. We live here. Do you have a flag? No flag, no country. It's a rule I just made up. Or if you listen to the audio version of that show, which is f recorded from a different show, it's like, uh, we've got our towels down. We're still your country. We've got our towels down now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh, Eddie. He's, he's magnificent. He does so many great historical things. Mm. He, he turns historical and religious events into just a laugh fest in in not a, not a horrible way i mean he's not he's not doing it as like being a dick he's yeah. just pointing out the absolute ridiculousness of it yes Pun punching up as you say punching up absolutely yeah. punching up and always entertaining always so sorry tangent Eddie no, that's good yeah. that is <laughs> That, that was one little thing that I did want to to mention, you know, um, <laughs> this this character who at many points is portrayed as being, you know, very strongly linked with his Irish heritage, but mm -hmm. also singing a patriotic English song about conquest and empire. So, <sighs> Ooh, yeah, that idea that idea. and I wonder if Colmini actually brought that up to writers <laughs> and they're probably just like, no, it's fine. It's fine. You know, this is the 24th century. It's fine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what his countrymen had to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> Did he return home to just a sea of disapproving faces? <laughs> shaking their heads at him. And he'd just be like, "Guys, I'm an actor. I'm just. I wasn't. It wasn't me. It was. It was a paycheck. It was what I had. It was a pay. I had to do it. It was what was written. I made an objection. They overruled me. I tried. <laughs> I don't even know if any of that's true. If he even yeah. objected, but it seems yeah. to me like he would probably be like, I have no idea. I, 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 I would be. I would be interested to hear from any um uh, of our Irish listeners if we have any their opinion of of the Irish character singing Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I can hear that tune in my head. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a rousing tune, but uh, it's got some unpleasant connotations for sure. <laughs> and shall Jerusalem be builded here on mm. England's green and pleasant land? <laughs> I know those words because of Eddie Izzard again. And, oh, yeah. And his response to that was, no, leave it where it fucking is. It's Jerusalem. <laughs> what are we going to build it? Here's Jerusalem too. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, seriously, check out Eddie Izzard. He's brilliant. 
<laughs> okay. Nice. I, some, I've derailed again. <laughs> these, these are some good quality tangents tonight, today. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. All right. I think we've just got a couple couple of other notes or other talking points. Uh, first of all, the O'Brien that we have um, at the end of um, What We Leave Behind, who goes mm-hmm. on to accept a professorship at Starfleet Academy, mm-hmm. is not the original Miles O'Brien. Mm-mm. <laughs> it is not. It is a future Miles O'Brien. <laughs> From like... Was it from like a, a couple of hours in the future? It's been a while since I've watched that episode. It was like a shift of about an hour and the present day one died, but the one from the future didn't fade away Marty McFly style. He was still there and replaced his past self. Yeah, he was uh, he was infected with Delta series radio, radio isotopes following an accident on the station. And it, it shifted him. This cr- coupled with the presence of a cloaked Romulan warbird nearby, of course course cloaked Romulan <laughs> warbird nearby uh it shifted him forward in time by several hours and uh right. yeah he 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 died when he deliberately contaminated himself further to see the sequence of events that uh would lead to the basically this whole mess and uh so he was replaced by his counterpart from the timeline that he visited <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that uh, that the O'Brien from twenty three seventy one on is uh, different O'Brien, different O'Brien after that episode. <laughs> and that episode was called Visionary. Visionary was that episode. New Miles O'Brien. I want to think that Starfleet has like a support <laughs> group or help group or something for people who that has happened to. Yes. <laughs> we know it has at least two members. At least three. 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 It's it's yeah yeah. It's got Miles O'Brien, Carrie Kim, and mm-hmm. Naomi Wildman. Yep, all of the above. So yeah, <laughs> definitely needs to be a support group for that because I and the thing is, there's got to be other people because temporal shifts tend to happen a lot in the future mm. for whatever reason. I mean, let us not forget Future Guy from Enterprise. Mm. Yeah. Which uh, they never developed who that person yep. really was. And sure, there have been people who have said after the fact, oh, it was going to be Archer. Oh, it was going to be this person. You didn't, they yep. didn't even know. They had no idea what they were going to do with that character. And they yeah. abandoned that whole storyline before they even paid it off. So, mm, shakes fist. <laughs> so we will forever wonder about Future Guy. Maybe he starts a support group in the future. <laughs> and brings it back in time. There you go! <laughs> I'm going to write a short trek about that. Oh, the future so of future guy. <laughs> I want Very know. easy to film. I want that to be, I want there to be a canon explanation for that. Yep. So, hey, CBS, get together some really good continuity people. Get Kirsten Beyer in there. Get uh, Dayton Ward in there. And mm. do a short trek about Future Guy. And please, for the love of God, give us something. Because we have nothing. We have nothing. We have no resolution. No closure on that character. Anyway. Please don't make it Archer. No, don't make it Archer. That's a bad idea. Bad idea. Oh. Uh. 
Yeah, so uh, future future Miles replacing, does that mm. mean that he's several hours older than he actually is? I guess. Mm. Is that the sort of thing that would annoy you? Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it would annoy me because a few hours isn't enough no, time be... to make a difference. <sighs> it'd be a little bit like, like how you lose a day when you fly from like the United States to Australia. But you get it back when you return. When you return, yeah. So you never really lose it. But he loses... Well, technically he doesn't lose several hours because he's coming from the future back to the past. So he's gaining hours rather than losing them. Yes, he may be several yeah, hours Yeah, he's having older, those same hours again. Yeah, he's getting those hours again. So if anything, it's extended his life by several hours. Yeah. So there you go. I figured it out. I figured it out. We cracked the code. Yeah. I can do this timey-wimey stuff. Mm. So the last point I have is that he has punished a lot. Oh, God, yes. That and poor I man. I don't know why. Like, I think we've... This is probably just the reason why we've had so much to talk about this episode, is that just a lot happens to him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if maybe there were just people weren't getting memos amongst different writers and they just didn't think oh hang on we've already done a lot to this guy they just wanted a character to do something horrible to and like miles will do (laughs) miles is the whipping boy Mm. yeah he he is he is the uh, he's shat upon on a regular basis (laughs) it is just heartbreaking sometimes Mm. it's like really really how is this guy even still sane? Because he's he's one of those poor... He's not... He doesn't act like a poor me person, but he is a poor me person mm. because literally all of this bad stuff happens to him. Yeah. Just over and over. One human should not be the target of all the universe's ire. It just... It's too much. It's too much for one person. And again, just makes me want to hug him. Like some of it really, really horrible that happens to him. Some really awful things. He's trapped in his own mind prison for twenty years. God, that's so bad. I can't I can't watch that episode mm. uh in one sitting anymore. It's just too difficult for me. Again, I'm a very empathetic person and I feel his pain. I feel his anguish and his loneliness and desolation and just yeah. Mm. It's hard. It's hard on me to watch that. So, so Vedic Smart did send in a missive that he wanted us to <laughs> read about uh, his uh, fever brain thoughts on Miles <laughs> I love you. Love man. it. I love you. So he he said these are my, this is my nonsensical notes. Um, I just woke up for the nineteenth time. Thoughts on Miles. So yeah, he's uh, he's not been having the best time with this with this cold. So, this is what our dear Liam has to say, or as as he calls himself in the chat, Vedic Fun Bitch. <laughs> I gave him that um, that nickname. I, I love it. I love it. He is a fun bitch. He is. <laughs> Okay, so he says, when I first saw Miles was on Deep Space Nine, I was less than amused. Didn't see how a transporter operator could become essentially chief engineer. I thought it was a tacky way to get TNG viewers to watch DS9. 
I had that same feeling. Mm -hmm. Over the run of the show, though, I've grown to like the grump. His relationship with with Julian was fun to watch grow. I feel sorry for him a lot, though. He seems to be the one everything happens to. Yes, we agree. On his Keiko relationship, the thing I really wanted to talk about, the writers did a really good job of showing relationships are tough, but they did a bad job in painting Keiko like a villain and almost like we had to root for Miles in it. And I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. And that was not nonsensical, Vedic Smart. You were actually very much on point with what we've said. Yeah, and I I agree with all of that, Liam. (laughs) writers Mm. (laughs) sometimes writers Mm. and i i kind of like now that that cbs has these writers rooms where it's you know these writers all working together and brainstorming and developing these story ideas rather than just this person submitted a script oh so that wasn't really yeah it was mostly like spec scripts and stuff in the past where it was just someone would write a script yeah that yeah there were a lot of times where they would just take scripts from people who sent them in <gasps> yeah that's you know, just right. any old joe blow off the street mm. so yeah having having a dedicated writer's room and always being the ones to put that out and to develop those ideas i think has helped a lot with continuity of a character definitely and and even just continuity of of an overarching story so mm. that's my opinion i think it's a good thing i agree I think that pretty much wraps us up. Yeah, uh, Miles O'Brien. God love you, man. <laughs> you poor <Yep>. dear. <laughs> mm-hmm. You endure so much and yet just keep getting back up and dusting yourself off. So respect, man. Respect. Yep. He may be a sad sack of a puddle of a human being from time to time, but he's also <laughs> lovable and damn good at his job. Yes, he is damn good at his job. So, well done. And and I like that he actually recognized in Rom yeah, that talent for really did. engineering. And really just kind yeah. of built him up so that Rom was able to get out mm. from under Quark's thumb, so to speak, and be his own man more. Yeah. And honestly, so. like having, like for Rom, having someone like that is like, can be hugely beneficial, like to a person's like, confidence and like career like i i've had situations like that as well where it was just like someone saw like a bit of potential in me at a job i was doing it was like let let me help you out uh and you know show you the ropes show you how to do it properly and then suddenly you just start really enjoying what you're doing and you find your calling that's great and that's that's a lovely thing so i still though don't have any idea what a self-sealing stem bolt is (laughs) still have no clue <sighs> what could it be and what could it do well, i feel like it's obviously a bolt is meant What's to hold a, something yeah. together and, a, and it's self-sealing so maybe it's you used... you screw it in and then it seals itself so that yeah it's like airtight yeah so you can use it on a space station so mm. it would be like used for hull repairs or something maybe but what's a stem bolt? I don't know. We may never know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the maybe it's like an anchor bolt, like they're bigger than the regular bolts where you you have like a lot of pieces coming together and that's maybe. where you put the stem bolt. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just talking out of my butt at this point. <laughs> Beats me. 
think that's as good a place as any to end. What is a self-sealing stem bolt? We may never know. <laughs> so thank you for listening to this episode of the Vedic Assembly. Before we close, Nick and Liam record on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, respectively. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. You can keep up to date with our episode releases on Twitter at Vedic Assembly, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vedic Assembly. Please join us in our listeners' community called The Nexus. Just search for The Nexus on Facebook and you should find it. You can find Liam on Twitter at LS74656 and on this network hosting The Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast. You can find me on Twitter at PunkZoologist and on Instagram at PunkRockZoologist. And you can find Brandy on this network hosting Boldly Go, our Strange New World podcast, and on Twitter at Brandywine12. That's Brandy with an I, and 12 is a number. The Vedic Assembly is part of the Holosuite Media Network. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. During the whole lockdown around the world, Enterprise is having a surge in popularity. I don't know if you've seen it. That's what I've been hearing. It's crazy, like the Facebook groups, Twitter, everyone is talking about Enterprise. And I didn't realize so many Trek fans had never even watched it. It's nuts. People call themselves lifelong Trekkies who've never watched it and are loving it now. I said to someone a week or two ago, I said, look, I'm so glad that you're finally getting around to watching it and enjoying it. But where were you guys <laughs> 15 years ago yeah. when we needed you, when the show was on the edge and then ultimately got cancelled? Loading Holosuite Preview Program for... There are four questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. I mean, but of course I'm hoping that in the future, drag is a whole lot easier. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't take like two hours to get done up. Right. Because I'd be late for all my duty shifts. So <laughs> they'd be like, red alert, captain of the bridge. I'd be like, uh, just a minute. <laughs> just got to tuck here. And put my wig on. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yes. Yes, I could. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Starbase One, a Star Trek online podcast. I don't really think that's a good idea. I order you to do it right now. Warning, the structural integrity field has collapsed. This is Admiral Quinn. You will be assigned to Starbase One. Welcome to Starbase One. I'm Colin. I'm Admiral Aaron. I'm Dave. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom. Starbase One is a dedicated Star Trek Online podcast. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you're a dedicated decade listener and you've been wondering where the hell we are, we're back. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.